What's happening, folks? Welcome back to another episode of the Monday Morning Blues. It is November 8th, 2021. I'm Christian Anson, the host of the show, the Monday Morning Blues. And we're back, man. We are back. Uh, first, want to apologize to the listeners, to our amazing guest today, Sue Foley. Uh, the episode was supposed to drop the 18th of October. But family medical issues popped up and that needed tending to. So, uh, you know, my mind was just engulfed in the situation that was at hand. And uh, I needed to tend to that situation more than I did the show at that time. So I do apologize to the listeners who were anticipating, excited for the 18th of October's uh, release of the episode. I was excited. Uh, I know Sue was too, because that was a big week for her. Her brand new album, Pinky's Blues, dropped that week, October 22nd. And that was the whole point of having her on for the 18th release date. But uh, nonetheless, we're here. I'm here. I say we're here. I'm a one-man show. But I'm here. I got the interview I did with Sue weeks ago, and you're going to listen to it. But hey, don't be caught off guard. There's going to be things in there that don't line up as far as dates go. Uh, And like I said, that's because... This wasn't posted on October 18th like it should have. I had some family medical issues that came up that needed my attention. Uh, actually, needed all my attention. So, But uh, we're here. I'm here. I said it again. I'm a one-man show. But, uh, yeah, I'm very happy that, uh, that I'm doing this again. That is for sure. It has been a very, very long time. Let me tell you. My golly. Uh, I think the last episode I did was with... Uh, one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Stu Larson, back in March, February, whatever it was. long time ago. But uh, Sue Foley's the first one up on the docket for the show uh, and the new string of episodes we have coming up. We got multi-Grammy Award winner Bobby Rush coming up here again. He was on the show last year as well. And then uh, Trevor Battle, Instagram sensation. Got over 10, 12,000 followers, I think. Uh, just post videos of him playing the blues. Uh, hell of a guitarist. And uh, privileged to have him on and every guest that has ever been on the show. Also, a quick shout-out before we get right into the nitty-gritty. And you get to listen to my conversation with Sue Foley. But I want to do a quick shout-out to, I think it was, episode 26 guest, Connor Court. If y'all remember, Connor is a uh, content creator, director, producer. He does, you know, uh, road work with Black Pistol Fire, an amazing band out of Austin, Texas. And uh, he's got a documentary that he's been working on. Uh, it's called 594 Miles from Chicago. You can find that on Instagram just by searching 594 Miles from Chicago. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. Uh, but they got a documentary that they're working on. Originally, it was supposed to come out October 22nd, the first season. Things got pushed back because let me tell you, making a documentary is not easy. It is tough, especially when you have no experience. And that was my situation when I did my first documentary. I went into it with no experience, just kind of figured it out myself. And uh, Connor needed a little bit more time, which is great. Why rush something? Make sure it's done right and give people the best, you know, piece of work that you could possibly do. So uh, new date, I think, is January 7th. Not quite sure, but I can tell you how you can find out. That's by hitting them up on social media, searching for 594 miles from Chicago. I will have links in the episode description as well. Be sure to support him, uh, Vicky Guy, Greg Guy, anyone a part of that project. From here on out, they are amazing. I'll also include a link, actually, because uh, I love the blues, and I'm supporting the blues where you can help donate to the you know, to the project if you'd like. Uh, that'd be great. I know you'd appreciate it. 
But uh, anyways, man, we're doing it. We are doing it. Uh, let's get right into it. This is uh, my conversation with Sue Foley. By the way, don't forget, check out her new record, which dropped October 22nd, called Pinky's Blues. Without further ado, this is me doing the thing, the very amazing person, the wonderful Sue Foley. Enjoy. Uh, Sue Foley, I appreciate you doing this. Well, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I actually, uh, it's been a while since we've been trying to get this set up. I was over a year and now we're finally doing <gasps> it. So, yeah. wow. Yeah, you're busy. You got a lot going on. Uh, you're playing well, music yeah. in the middle of a pandemic, which is something not a lot of people are able to do. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, where are you at right now? Are you in Texas? Uh-huh, yeah, I'm down in Austin. Nice. Um, yeah, and I, maybe we maybe they were putting it off because because uh, now we have something to talk about. Right, maybe a year ago we didn't. <laughs> no, no, no. That's exactly what it was. Uh, Michelle was yeah. telling me that it's like, hey, listen, she's got a album, she's getting ready, but it's it's kind of hard to do press when you're not doing shows. So let's push it off. Let's wait until there's shows, and then we'll do it. To ha-. I'm like, I get it. It makes sense because usually you 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 tour with a record, you promote the record and that's, that's how, that's just how it works. But it was a little hard last time around. So, but we're here, we're doing it. You said you're in Texas, a little bit warmer up there than it is up North where you're originally from, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, it's still pretty hot down here. Yeah. Um, but it's starting to let up, which yeah. is good. There you yeah. go. You miss the cold weather? Mm-mm. No, not at all. No, I mean, maybe for a week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe a week. Now, how long have you been down there in Texas? Well, I've been back. You know, I was here throughout the 90s, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, I got here in 1990. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's a long time ago. Uh, so, um, but I've been back for about three years. Mm, there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So you arrived. I wasn't quite sure. That's where I was going to get at. I wasn't quite sure exactly when you got to Texas. So you, you arrived in the 90s. That was right before... The Steve Ray was it right before Steve Ray Vaughan passed away or right after? It was right before he passed away, um, and I was brought down there by Clifford Antone. So oh, Stevie's wow. passing, yeah, Stevie's passing was a pretty big uh, event mm-hmm. at that time, you know. And that happened in August. I think I got to town in February. Oh, so I'd wow. been I'd been in town a little while, and then that happened, and that kind of that's you know, crazy. Now blew everybody's minds. Yeah. So you, you moved down there, but what, what sparked the move? Did you already have opportunities and things lined up prior to the move or did you just go down there hoping to land something and then Clifford came through for you? How did that work? No, actually I met Clifford on the road and, um, he had told me to, uh, send him something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'd been on the road touring. I've been out with Mark Hummel at the oh, time wow. and we were touring with our own group a bit. So when I got back home off the road, and I'm, and we were touring steady. I mean, it was almost an entire year of touring. So by the time wow. I got back back home, I was living in Vancouver on the West Coast at the time. Mm-hmm. I got back home. We went in the studio, and I immediately sent him a demo tape, and he called me right back and said, come on down to, to Austin. Wow, that's crazy. No mm-hmm. hesitation? No. Oh, are you kidding? No. No, that's none. Awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. He was like, "When do you want to?" I was like, "When should I come?" He said, "Tomorrow." I was like, "Okay, let's do it." And they sent me an airline ticket. Wow, that's incredible. What mm. was the What was the scene like back home, though, up in Canada? As far as the the music goes, was there much of a scene then? 
Yeah, there was a scene everywhere. You know, the funny thing was there, there was tons of bands and gigs, um, lots of blues bands uh, all over Canada. And I started gigging when I was about 16 in Ottawa. And by the time I was 18, I'd already been playing live. You know, I was felt seasoned in a way. I've been doing a lot of gigs. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot. Um, so wow. it was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, it was a good time. That's crazy. So who who was it that got you got you into it? Uh, mother, father, brothers. I mean, who? How'd you get into it? Who was the one who put the guitar in your hand the first time? Well, it was my dad who put the guitar in my hand. I mean, I grew up in a family of guitar players. My dad and I got three older brothers. They play. They too? all play. Yeah, they all wow. play. And um, my dad's passed on now, but he, you know, he was sort of the ringleader and. <laughs> Definitely, there was a lot of guitars in the house. That's all I can remember is that, you know, we had guitars everywhere. and Everybody was always banging on one. And it just seemed natural for, for me, the youngest girl, to pick it up. Sure, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. So nothing forced. It was just, just natural. It was just natural. I always knew I'd be a musician. I just, I just kind of, you know, I just always knew. It's weird. You know, I was I was really lucky because some people don't know what they want to do when they're teenagers. Right. Or, no kidding. You know, even went into their mid twenties, they still don't know what they want to do. But I, I knew from the time I was a little kid, so I just never really veered off the path. Yeah. You say you knew. What it, when did you have like this moment of clarity? At what point was it that you're like, Okay, I know what I'm going to do? Well, when I got my first guitar at 13, I knew I would be a guitar player. I just didn't know the avenue, the musical avenue until I was 15 and mm. I heard blues. Wow, that's crazy. You know, when I heard traditional blues at 15, then I was like, okay, it's going to be blues. Who I don't know it? how I'm going to do this. It was James Cotton. I wow. saw James Cotton live. Yeah. And I, it was just the blues show. But we were already listening to blues records because we had been into people like the Rolling Stones mm. and zeppelin and and some early british invasion stuff that was so american based and and we were reading about them and what they were into it's kind of like that wow um, that's crazy yeah that so is really and then crazy. I, I saw a live show at 15 you know we snuck into a club in ottawa and we were young i mean i must have looked very young i can only imagine but <laughs> um you know i saw that show with james cotton and his, his band was real hot at the time he had like I think he had Killer Allison on on drums and wow. Michael Coleman on Michael Coleman on guitar. It was just like a great Chicago band, and man, I just there was something about that experience that just changed my life. You know, mm. something something magical. That's crazy. So I find that interesting. So your your brothers played, your your dad played. Now, how far did they take it, and into what capacity did they end up progressing and playing? Did they did they go on to do kind of what you're doing, or did they kind of taper off and? move towards the educational side of things in music are they still in no it? <laughs> no they um you know they all had families and uh just played music more for recreation sure yeah, yeah. and um i was the only one which really kind of blew everyone's mind because you know my brothers were all like you know they're all into jimmy page and mm -hmm. billy gibbons and people like that so when you see your youngest sister and she's kicking your ass on guitar that's hilarious like very very humbling for them but they're <laughs> they're also very supportive but you know i think it kind of like was like oh shoot her why right. her i'm just supposed to be us you know no that's crazy so now you're when you're down in texas obviously how how competitive of a scene was it then i mean obviously the 90s that's stevie was hot at the time i mean it was a very very competitive uh, 
seen. I'm I'm certain of that. But was it was it harder to to kind of make your statement? Yes. Yeah. You know, the, the funny thing was, is I'd been to other places where, I mean, Austin was competitive, but it was a really supportive scene. It's hard to explain. It's still like this today. Like it's got some of the highest caliber players you'll ever see, but, and we're competitive in a friendly manner, but mm-hmm. it's also very supportive. So, um, I'd actually gotten, you know, I've got, I'd gotten the rub at a couple other places before I got to Texas, as far as, Hey chick, you know, who thinks you can play right. guitar kind of thing, you know, but, um, I wasn't having any of that, but you know, by the time I got to Austin, I'd been touring, I was 21 and I'd been touring for, you know, three years already. I felt like, you know, we've, and we've been playing a lot, but I found like the players down there were really supportive and they were the highest caliber player I'd ever, sure. I'd ever known. But they were more supportive than anything, you know, than competitive. Yeah, it was really interesting because, you know, I always thought, well, maybe the highest caliber player, they're so secure in their own abilities. They're not threatened by a young girl that's coming in. Right. Uh, So it just sort of struck me like maybe there was this more sort of confidence in in themselves that they weren't really competing with me. They were just like, hey, cool. Welcome to Austin. Yeah. And then you showed them, right? Yeah, I mean, I showed them realized. I played. <laughs> well, yeah, but they liked me, you know. They they accepted me. It's awesome. It's all about if you can play, not if you were a young girl or a young right. guy, or you know. Well, that's the other thing too. Is like I I talk to other uh, female blues guitarists and stuff like that, like Ellie Vanable, Ivy Ford from Chicago, and I always ask, uh, you know, is entering that entering the scene uh, as a female in a rather male dominated genre, uh, kind of conforming to an anti-conformist mold and being like saying hey i can i can do this too even even here still i i don't think many females get the as much respect as the males do within the community of the blues and it's still something that i don't quite understand why they're playing the music some of them play it better but there's still that I feel like the blues men reign superior in, in many people's eyes. Do you see that being the case? And if at all, how, I mean, do you think uh, there's okay. a way around it? Uh, you know what? I actually disagree with you. Sure. Go ahead. I think I, I actually disagree. I think, I think it's all about how it sounds. It's not about who's playing. It's not about the sex of, Correct. you know, or the gender, anything. It's not about any of that. I think um, blues fans are generally, there's more males than females in the blues in the fan mm-hmm. base. Um, so I think the way, um, if you're going to be a guitar player, I think you need to really hone your chops and really play well. Cause there's a lot of great players. Absolutely. And I don't, and I, I have never been like, I've always gotten supported. You know, I never got that. I never felt you that. Never felt and that I never kickback. got that. No, I mean, I, I, you know, you'd feel a little bit, I mean, Everybody's got their challenges, but I never sure. leaned on that. And I never made that a focus because I was like, hey, man, I'm a player. I'm going right. to come up and I'm going to play nose to nose with you, shoulder to shoulder. And if you can handle that and I can handle that, right. we're all good. And, you know, I think people really respect it. Absolutely. Um, so I actually disagree on that level. I think um, in blues specific- specifically, there's been some wonderful guitar players. Debbie Davies played with Albert Collins. Jesse Smith. She was great. I mean, Bessie Smith wasn't a guitar player, but she was one of the first 
first big blues stars, yeah. right? So blues has a long history of supporting women, um, strong women sure. too. And I grew up under the tutelage of some very strong women here in Austin. Uh, not all instrumentalists, but I knew a lot of instrumentalists and they, you know, everybody's pretty cool about it. Right. So I'm going to actually challenge your statement and no. say. And I, <laughs> I ask it in that way though, because there's some, there's, there's other people who do that I've asked that have felt in agreeance with that and i just am interested to see how how it is for everybody it's, it's like Austin is just very very homey very very oh you're gonna do it too well here let me show you how let me introduce you to so and so it's very welcoming and uh you're on the same page as trying to progress each other which in turn enhances and progresses the scene and makes everything better so hey and you know what you've got to prove yourself you can't it does not matter if you're 15 years old and a kid or you're a exactly. woman or you know or you're blind or whatever you've got to play you can and play it's all you play. can play if you can play you can play man right exactly it's like and, it's funny because there's a there's i think kenny wayne shepherd had like this unwritten law actually back home down in shreveport where he's from where they coined it quote-unquote the kenny wayne shepherd law where he could play because he's good in bars when he's really not even able to because of his age. But that's the mm -hmm. thing now. If you could play and you're there with your yeah. parent, they'll let you in because of that quote-unquote law. And I think that's great because there's still a lot of clubs in the city of Chicago that I have friends who can play ridiculously out of their mind who are 14, 15 years old who can't get in. Right. But they're starting you know, to change. You could, you, could be, you could be just as, you know... Um, you know, you could be thinking that things uh, ages, let's say, about somebody mm -hmm. that was young and think, well, they can't play blues because they're exactly. too young. And you don't know that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that's great. <laughs> that's great. So who so, were the ones who took you under the wing then? Obviously, when you when you arrived on scene, obviously Clifford did. But who were the, the first the first folks that that really uh, graced you? Well, I'm lucky, you know, Clifford took me under his wing and he brought me into the scene. And that was pretty much coming right in. To the center of it mm. all i um, mean you know kim wilson hung out a lot oh, wow. yeah. at that time and uh angela australia you know they put me on the road with a with a tour right away called blues or anton's women mm -hmm. that was me and angela australia luann barton lavelle white barbara oh, lynn wow. um sarah brown marcia ball i mean all on one tour and i thought man this is great all these women and they're so strong and so inspiring. So all, the, all those women were really nice to me. And um, of course, all the local heavy hitter players like Derek O'Brien, mm -hmm. guitar player, and George Big Beat Rain. You know, we got to play with all those guys. And then, and then Clifford was put us on stage with whoever came through the club. I got to be in the Anton's house band quite a bit wow. with Derek O'Brien, you know, as, as the two guitar players. So we got to play with Snooky Pryor and Find Up Perkins and Luther. Um, I mean, uh, Luther Tucker and James Cotton and, you know, um, God, Earl King and it's just too many he, and Hubert Sumlin and, oh, you know, wow. whoever would come through the club, Albert Collins, buddy guy. So I just got a lot of, uh, education pretty quick. Yeah. No yeah. kidding. Wow. Were you ever able to, when did you have a moment to kind of just step aside and realize and kind of just process the magnitude and the what you were experiencing did you did it take time for you to just back off a bit just to soak it all in or did it take years in order for you to realize 
how fortunate you were to have had those opportunities at such a youthful age? Well, we knew it then. I mean, there was a whole kid group that we were part of and we knew how lucky we were because there was us, there was Doyle Bramhall Duck too was part of our group and the Moeller brothers. And, you know, there was a whole, my band, we were all pretty young, you know, and we were getting these experiences. We all knew how lucky we were and how good this stuff was, Mm -hmm. even if it wasn't stuff that was on the radio or mainstream or anything like that we knew that this was the shit (laughs) (laughs) but you know what i mean so i always knew and i always felt like wow this is like cinderella like there's nowhere i wanted to go more than antones Mm -hmm. and so uh i felt like i knew i was really lucky back then and I'm, i'm just like i'm just like really glad I was able to do that, you know, so. Yeah, no kidding. And I find it yeah. interesting. So the, the time that you came in was, was uh, obviously, like I said, a Stevie, a very Stevie-dominated era. He, I mean, uh, John Lee Hooker sold more records in the 90s than he did his first 20 years. A lot of it had to do with, with the resurgence of Texas blues led by Stevie and stuff like that. But now, from you can look at the 90s up until now, there's been a huge shift uh, as far as, the music goes with the blues and stuff like that on the mainstream scale level. Uh, what do you think it is? Uh, or what, what do you believe is the reason as to why it's kind of sadly dropped out of mainstream, which drives me crazy. And it's now the music that infiltrates, you know, radio play mainstream play is, is nothing of that, of rock, blues, uh, Southern rock, anything. What do you think was the reason for that shift? Um, and do you still believe that there is a, uh, there's still a strong enough core of musicians and, and solo instrumentalists in, in the blues industry to, to, keep, to keep the genre alive? Wow. I mean, I, I almost feel like you could answer that question more, better than I can because I'm, I'm so out of touch with modern radio and modern music i don't listen to I, have, it. I, can't. I seriously have no idea what's going on out there i i don't watch tv and um i i don't watch anything uh except the odd you know some stuff on youtube and that mm-hmm. and uh i still listen to you know my blues records my earl hooker records and my memphis mini <laughs> records and i'm like i'm so out of touch you know so you're detached but, which is good I'm kind of, I've always been out of step and out of, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was listening to Bessie Smith and I didn't know what, and and I think I kind of knew what was going on in the seventies. And then I come the eighties, I totally lost touch with everything. I just kind of fell into this world and it was like, I thought it was so fantastic and magical and wondrous that I never really came out of it. Hmm. So, um, but I think there's some great players now. I think there's, I think there's a lot of people still and, and a lot of great young people. I mean, I just met Kingfish the other day oh, in Nashville. Wow. Wonderful guy. And wow, what a great, um, what a great guy to carry this forward, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, there's some great young artists, um, that still want to do this, that still pick up guitars. So, I mean, I, I guess for me, Christian, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I've never focused on what was popular anyway. Mm-hmm. So I've always been sort of hyper-focused on this world, but I feel like there's some really nice people coming up now and Absolutely. really good players. And um, yeah, it, it's it's always just going to be there. It's never been like blues has never been mainstream. You know, Stevie Ray brought it to a certain level sure. and then it kind of goes back under. And, you know, Gary Clark Jr. plays a lot of great mm-hmm. blues. 
and he's at a big level, you know, so right. I think there's still a lot of hope. Yeah. And you know what that actually, yeah. that ties into kind of something else I want to say was the, well, you mentioned Gary Clark Jr. I think he's a perfect, perfect example of, uh, you know, someone who he's, he identified, I mean, uh, I hate genres and that's what I wanted to bring up is he, he falls under the, the, the genre of, of blues, but I mean, he'd be the first to tell you that he loves the blues, but he, he wouldn't call himself a blues musician. He called himself a, a blues guitarist who, who could play any, I mean, anything. I mean, his first track off his latest record, This Land, is not blues. Uh, I mean, just pounds you with, with the, the RB, the, the heavy rock. It gives you all that stuff for you. How do you identify yourself? Uh, do, you, do you identify more as, as a musician, open to anything, or do you identify more along the lines of that of just a straight blues player? Yeah, I, I, I gotta say I'm a straight blues player. Wow. <laughs> I'm actually... I, <laughs> I always say like I'm I'm not really like uh diverse I guess in my abilities um <laughs> I never learned to play jazz or can't play rock I can't sing rock I can't you know I can do some country you know but I always do it with a bluesy kind of sure, vibe yeah. yeah so yeah I'm a I'm pretty much a pure, a pure blues musician as wow unusual as that seems being a you know a woman from Canada but yeah I am I'm I I've kind of just that's all i do you've just been immersed and sucked into it you know that's the first you were the first one to to just usually many people say they're just like oh i agree with that but yeah no it does sound like that i mean wow just straight blues that is that is i pretty much am i mean i've gone into some singer songwriter kind of mm -hmm. stuff but really when it comes down to it what i do best is i play blues guitar and that's what i do best there you so, go. Awesome. I'm happy, and I'm happy doing it. You know, I really. Well, that's all that I really matters. Love it. Who cares about anyone else? If you're yeah. if you're doing it and you're happy with what you're doing, I think. I mean, that's all that matters. Who cares about anybody else, but yeah. But uh, now you're playing a guitar that I I, I like a lot. Uh, how long? I mean, how, when did you start playing the Paisley? Um, I started playing this. Uh, my my number one mm -hmm. uh, pinky. My number one pinky Paisley uh she's i got her in the late 80s in vancouver oh like i got my. her in about 88 so i've had her for what 33 years and i bought that guitar and that's what this new album is about mm -hmm. pinky's blues is is that guitar and and pinky is uh is the guitar and i bought her and i've had her for 33 years and i played her at almost almost every show every tour every album it's been that one guitar if you can believe it i'm not a collector I don't collect guitars. I don't switch. I don't do like a telly and then a, and then and then play a strat on the next tune or just play a telly and then play a Gibson. Wow. Uh, 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 no, no, no. I one. play telly, baby. I'm a telly player. Unbelievable. And I play and I play one telly, right? So I've had this guitar a long time. Now, however, when I go on tour, I'm not bringing her out because she's a little precious now. So I've got two more pinkies that are set up. There you go. Um, but they're basically they're more pink paisley tellies. <laughs> so and, <laughs> and you know, crazy. I also I also love a nylon string. I play a nylon string too. That's my Get second out. love. Yeah, I love the nylon. Wow. Yeah. So you like the f so ooh, there was a track actually I think on the Ice Queen that had more of like uh I forget. Oh I think there was one on there that used nylon. It was more uh not more type of <clears throat> 
cha-cha more flamenco style yeah 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 so sort of a latin yeah, yeah i love that i love all i really love latin and spanish guitar too besides blues i guess that would be something i gravitate to as well there you go but i do it all with a bluesy kind of vibe yeah absolutely so that that is crazy to be so obviously yeah there's a lot of people who tour and usually they don't bring their number ones on the road because well tsa sometimes things bump neck things get lost scratch damage but <laughs> no but theoretically crazy. you do only you only have really one you don't switch it up at all live well i i have the you know, I have that these awesome. two paisleys that I'll that I'll travel with. But That's yeah, so I'm cool. I'm not a yeah I don't do that. Yeah. yeah. What do you I'm play? A telly, I'm a telly player through a 59 basement reissue if I can. Uh, 59 Fender basement reissue is what I like. Two would be ideal. One is great. Uh, but if I can't, I'll use a Deville or something like that. Whatever. But four usually like four tens. So a a, wow. a good Fender amp with four tens. Man, that that's the easy travel. That, that I mean, that is a nice, nice luggage to travel with. I don't think you need any more than that, honestly. Well, you don't. Not to get a good sound. No. Um, if you can get if you if you can't get a good sound with that, then you might want to look at you might yeah. want to look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But uh, no, that's great. Now you had a pretty busy schedule like i said at the start during the pandemic something not every musician could say basically uh you know things came to a halt uh but you you recorded an album uh talk about how that came to fruition well we um as like everybody else last year we had a lot mm -hmm. of time on our hands uh but i was also due to do a new album so um it was time uh i i'd recorded the ice queen i think in 2000 the late 2016 we released mm -hmm. it in 2018 so by last year it was time for me to do something new. right um then we had the time and we had a label ready to put us in the studio so we went ahead and did it and uh, i just went in with um chris layton and john oh, penner wow. so we kind of we kind of just did it trio and john penner was uh, my original bass player from from canada and john and i go back to the very beginning uh long story with him but we he's a wonderful bass player and a real blues guy so we we went in the three of us and then mike flanagan produced uh you know the great b3 player who mm -hmm. plays with jimmy vaughn and, and billy gibbons and then we just had the engineer so it was a really intimate session we did it all live uh it was do all done in like two and a half days oh we just we just went in and ripped it out you know and we and, and you know mike Flanagan wanted, he's, you know, he was like, Sue, you just got to do a, a real guitar record, you know, just do something your, your fans have been craving. <laughs> so <laughs> no more songs. Don't worry about it. Not that there's not songs. We've got great <laughs> songs, but, but he's just like, you just, just get out there and play your guitar. That's what people want to hear. So. Right. That's awesome. You know, there's, there's a lot of people that, uh, not, I, I know of a few other people who, who record it all live, uh, I mean, it's the best way to do it. Like Kenny Wayne Shepard, they'll get me out. I mean, they'll record it all together live. They're not recording drums separately. They're not recording guitars. A different. It's it is live, and I think the best reason why more people should do it, like you do as well, is when people come and see you. They're they're coming to see you because they like what's on that record, and they're going to then get what's on that record live because it's the same thing. There's a there's a there's a different energy, different. Uh, just a whole different experience uh, w with with seeing live music, and that's people want to 
see live what they hear on the record and that's what you're able to achieve in situations like you with this upcoming record and all the records kenny's done as well is they record it live it's it's all there it's all done together and i think that is the best way to do it yeah i agree it's and that anyway when you're a blues artist you want that spontaneity uh, that's what we do we, we're spontaneous we're spontaneous and we, uh, we work in real time mm-hmm. and it's all improvised and live. It should be live. Um, yeah. you, know, you don't want to, you don't want to overthink it. You want it to have the energy. So I mm-hmm. totally agree with you. Yeah. Now you, you touched on um, Billy Gibbons. You got to, uh, do some work with him too. Uh, how special was that? Really special. He's, uh, I love Billy. He's a super special guy. He's very creative. Um, uh, super nice, uh, generous to a fault, just a beautiful person really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, always on the go, very inspiring. He's just the kind of guy where you, well, he's, he's a rock star. So you, you realize <laughs> that like, Hey man, this guy's a rock star and he just has people coming up to him everywhere he goes and following him around and getting in inter- autographs and stuff. And, but he's so gracious and He's uh, taught me a lot about just, you know, just how to be cool. Yeah. Between him and Jimmy Vaughn, I, I've learned how to be cool. Oh, I Jimmy hope. is so cool. <laughs> if I can't, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. great. I don't know how anyone could wear a suit on stage, but he does it. I mean, he just, oh, gosh. You would think, for me, thinking about it, though, I mean, how do you, you wouldn't it feel constricted? Would you feel like you're being tied down in a suit trying to play a guitar? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think about all those early blues guys and women. They always dressed pretty sharp. I know. They all did it. Yeah, BB and little Milton, people like that. Um, They all dressed up. So I think this is a tradition that we have. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, another thing I didn't know, Sue, is uh, not only, obviously, you've been playing your whole life, but uh, you did some, I came across when I was online looking up things, uh, assisted professor of music? Yeah. Talk about that. You did some teaching. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm a, I have an MA a few years ago. I got my master's. Um, I didn't even realize I, they'd let me into university. I never got an (laughs) undergraduate degree, but I, I went ahead and tried and they let me in and I ended up getting my master's, uh, in music. And then I just for a lark, I just threw some applications out and this school in North Carolina called me and said, Hey, we've got a popular music program. We'd, we'd love if you uh, applied to this position. And so I did. And um, so I did about three terms there before I started. I just wanted to go back out on the road at mm-hmm. that point. So um, I, I left that because it was a lot of job. It was a, a big job, you know, mm-hmm. tenure track, full-time <laughs> position. I was like, I'm not ready for this. I've right. never had a job in my life. But I loved it. And I loved um, being able to help young people. And so right now I'm actually getting my PhD. I'm not sure what I'll, what I'll do with it. I'm not, I'm not sure where I'll go with it, but I just, uh, they let me back in school. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. So, yeah. That's awesome. I think it's important I'm, though, because we're, we're, we're eliminating arts programs. We're eliminating uh, music programs now. I don't know why they're doing it. They're funneling money to all the other different programs, whether it be athletics or things like that. I think it's important that you're doing what you're doing with this too. Well, thanks. I, I think it's important to have good people to teach. 
that actually have experience and knowledge of stuff, you know, right. like I think, I think a lot of academics uh, in higher education and in music, maybe they don't have a professional track career. They just go mm-hmm. right into teaching. So it's, I think it's kind of cool. Like when I had those students, they all really, I just actually just saw one of my students in Nashville last week oh, wow. or a couple of days ago and she was doing great. And she was like, yeah, it was just so cool to have a teacher that was like really doing it, you know? So that helps. Yeah, it does help. It helps the kids know that, oh, yeah, this is possible. But yeah. 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 There you go. That's yeah. really great. Now, and it's nice. It's nice to share your knowledge and oh my help gosh. people. You know. Yeah, it's good. To, it it yeah. feels good to to be able to pass off that energy, wisdom, and, and kind of motivation to, to the younger folks. Because sometimes that's all they need to, to hear. It could just be the slightest little thing, but that's all they needed to hear. Now, now they're doing what they wanted to do. Yeah. Now oh, that's awesome. So Pinky Blues drops yeah. October 22nd. Where can folks get that? Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. All right, cool. I uh, I don't know what happened. I Let's see here. I said Pinky Blues drops October 22nd. Where can folks get that, Sue? Oh, oh, it's it's Pinky's Blues. Pinky's Blues. Yeah, it drops October 22nd. People can get it everywhere they get records, which I have no idea anymore, but it's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You know, it'll be on every streaming. It's already we've already got songs up and videos mm-hmm. out on YouTube and songs up uh, on all the streaming platforms. But so it'll be available there. You can get it on iTunes right now. You can pre-order it on right. iTunes. Um and uh, Amazon, of course, and you can get hard copies through our label or on Amazon. I those think. are the best. Yeah. yeah. But uh, and wow. then wherever you find a record store, I don't know where they are anymore. Yeah, so. in Nashville, there are some. There's some. Yeah. They're slowly coming back. Slowly coming. There's back. a few. Yeah, there's a few here in Austin. Wow, yeah. that is awesome. See, well, guess what? I'll be I'll I'll be at Space to see you in Evanston. But, oh, good. Uh, never been there before, but uh, I'll be there for you. So, Sue Foley, I appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks, Christian. We'll see you down there. All righty. Take care of yourself. All right. You too. There you have it, folks. Me and Sue Foley. Like I said in the beginning, things probably didn't add up as far as dates go within the conversation. But no need to worry. You could check out the music, the new album, Pinky's Blues, uh, available wherever you get your music, but preferably buy it from her direct. Go to her website. Links in the description below and support her directly. Yeah, you could stream wherever you like, but... As someone who's worked with music uh, professionals, we all know that's not how they're getting their money. So buy direct from her. Link's in the description where you can do that. Or go, hey, go find her on the road. Support her. See her live. Buy a CD from her direct. Help her that way. But uh, support the artist directly. Support blues musicians. All musicians for that fact. And uh, yeah, let's keep the blues alive and well. That was fun. Uh, It's going to take a few episodes for me to knock off some of the rust here, but uh, I felt okay about that one. I don't know about you. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe. Like I said, if you haven't already done so, we are available on all podcast platforms. But like I said in the beginning, be sure to check out the website, themondaymorningblues.com. Sign up for our email. You'll be the first uh, notified about new episodes, and you'll get pre, you know, pre-access to them before anyone else so if that's something you're into if you'd like to be a little bit of a head of anyone else if you'd like to be uh you know privy to content before everyone else get it do it i'm thinking of starting a patreon as well 
Uh, I'm starting to try to figure out how to to get the ball rolling and, and progress the show in ways that I haven't done before. So, uh, man, let me tell you, I had fun with Sue. Hope you enjoyed it. Let's keep the blues alive and well. Till next time, stay safe and be well. Be well.